Tune you in now to the LBX Daily Show. Brought to you by the LBX Collective. Your community to connect, engage, and inspire. Now, let's get ready to roll. With your hosts, Christine Buer and Brandon Wiley. <laughs> All right. It's another Daily Show. Another LBX Daily Show. Okay, we made it through our first week in the new year. We did. That's right. <laughs> ourselves on the back for this. <laughs> it's a big feat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exciting. Uh, and I was I was looking at the numbers. We're gonna hit a hundred the week the Monday. I think you get back from oh, the Monday you get back from CES. So that'll right. be a, that'll be a fun show. I we'll have to do something exciting for that one. Yeah. Okay. You're right. We have to have some sort of celebration. I love it. It's confusing yeah. to me though a bit because it already says we're over 100 because we have all of our other podcasts that go into that number. But yeah, this, this is awesome. Yeah, because I think this should show 94. So that would um, yes. that you know, be 99 next Friday, and then we'll have. 100. All right. So anyway, so uh, another organization that is over 100 years old, so not 100 days old, but 100 years old is IAPA. And IAPA has their FEC summit coming up uh, the end of January. So January 23rd through the 24th, uh, 23rd, 24th, and 25th. And so they have the registration going on, but what I thought was cool is, you know, and I've been I've been involved along with some of the other FEC committee for IAPA in preparing the presentations, the keynote speakers, the the educational content, as well as some of the tours, and we're really excited to have um, Vince Vicente, who's actually a former Olympian. He was a downhill skier uh, for Canada, and. At one point, he was the fastest downhill downhill skier in Canada, and then one of the 10, 10 fastest in the world. And he's going to be actually one of our keynote speakers. So excited to have him there. But they, <coughs> excuse me, they did an interview with him. Uh, Scott Feist with IAPA did an interview with him, and it's about a five minute interview and a preview of what his talk is going to be at FEC Summit. So. Go to iapa.org and check out, uh, just or just Google FEC Summit iapa.org. You'll end up finding the interview. It's a great, cool little five-minute piece. There's actually some really cool tidbits just in that. I watched it, and I'm excited for, like, I'm already getting tidbits out of five-minute piece, what I'm going to get actually from the FEC Summit in general. So uh, definitely looking forward to being there. I will be there, and uh, excited to see all of the LBXers who end up coming as well. Awesome. That sounds exciting. I'm sad I'm missing it. And a Canadian Olympian you're going to have there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I, know. I, I love actually going to talks with Olympians because they go through so much turmoil and it's so hard to actually accomplish what they're doing that their stories are usually pretty fantastic. Get a lot out of them. Yeah. 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 He's uh, he's, we've, we've had a chance to talk with him a couple of different times uh, in preparing for the event and very excited to hear what he brings to the table. Has he won a medal? He, well, actually, I actually think he might have been on the podium. So I think he might have been a bronze or something. I want to, I want to confirm, but, uh, but yeah. I'm, I'm, Get him to bring the medal. I was holding a oh, yeah. Canadian women's uh, hockey skate uh, goalies the other day. It, they are so heavy. Like, I don't even know how these guys hang them around their neck. I'm sure that's like a 10 pound weight. That's insane. It's, it's legit. Yeah. Actually, I was just at a, at an event a couple of weeks ago for, uh, for rowing. It was, we were watching, it was a viewing party with my, my rowing crew. We went to see boys of the boat. And we had a former Olympic rower there and he wow. did his, he did a little talk and then he also had his medal. So he was a medal. He medaled and um, that, that fucker is heavy. Like it's, it's legit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yep. it's crazy. Yep. Yep. Hmm. All right. All right. So uh, in addition to the FEC summit, 
the I'm already ashamed to say, I think my, my low prediction, which was a long shot and it was a little bit of a joke anyway, uh-huh. my low prediction is I think not going to come true for 2024. Uh, I had, for those of you who watch the show, I had predicted that 2024 would see the, would be the last year that we break ground on a new pickleball installation. So that means that in 2025 and beyond, there'll be no pickleball installations being no, no more breaking ground. And I just don't think that's going to happen. There's this group that has raised a ton of money from uh, a ton of money, meaning $200 million. It's Camp Pickle. We've talked about them in the past because they, they had announced their, their facility that they're opening up in Charlotte. Well, they just announced another location that there is going under development in Jenks, which is in near, um, near Tulsa, Oklahoma. And this is actually uh, this, this last one is a picture of what they're planning to do in Jenks. So everyone is a little bit unique and different, but I, I feel like of all the pickleball venues that I've seen, they're at least the most unique in their design and their approach to marketing into their attraction mix. They do have a few other things like some bocce courts and some other stuff that they're mixing in indoor, outdoor pickle, indoor, outdoor pickleball. And then they also have like yard games, darts, foosball, that kind of thing. And they're also like have karaoke rooms, 84 self pour beer tap that they're planning to have. And so this one will open up in 2025, which means it will break ground in 2024. But I think because they have this $200 million investment behind them, one of those investors is Simon property group, who is like, if you've, if you're around any place that has outlets, premium outlets or mills, anything that's like a Arizona Mills Mall. That's all Simon Property Group. They're one of the largest retail attainment desk, uh, like property development groups in the world. And so I just feel like they've got too much momentum behind them. We're going to see pickleball venues being developed for some time still. Well, you know, the cool thing about this, though, that I like is not enough people are really branding their facilities well. And they've done a great job of it. Their their branding looks really cool, awesome, on point. And I think it still lends itself to opening up the door for other attractions if pickleball just kind of dies off and they need to put something else in. They can change things up. They can put other attractions and then turn it into an overall just attractions facility. So I think there's lots of flexibility and I would be surprised if it doesn't end up running that way eventually, Uh, you know? Yeah, totally agreed. You know, mini golf replacing some of the pickleball things or just, you know, different Mm -hmm. attractions going in, go-karting, whatever. Totally agreed. The one thing that you talk about the branding, I really love is their website. It's only a single page site right now. And, you know, they have, they don't, they're actually, they've raised $200 million and not opened a single venue yet, which is remarkable, first of all. Impressive. Um, but, but, but their branding is really kitschy. It's, I mean, you got this little bear and this like old 19, you know, their, their whole thing is like, they want to have celebrate the culture of, you know, camps and national parks from the 1940s. And, you know, they've just, just got this really interesting approach and voice that they're putting behind their brand as well, which again is very different than just some of the other just stale pickleball venues that you're seeing like electric pickle, uh, pickleball or pickleball kingdom or pick chicken and pickle like those, you know, different ones that are out there. So I'm excited to see how they succeed. You know, they may end up being the outliers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, you're right. Absolutely. I wish I had a whistle to blow right now. <laughs> let's all yes, get our gear exactly. on <laughs> that would be so awesome well <clears throat> speaking about communicating clearly and making sure your voice is heard um I, I think that that's a big lesson and it's really important that you communicate clearly who you are and they've done a good job of that i 
somebody that I think that you're going to get a kick out of who hasn't actually uh, done a great job at what they're going to do. So let me explain first since at the stage, and then I want to show you some pictures and get your feedback. So um, the, this, this new company is opened up in Toronto or not, sorry, not Toronto, Montreal. And I was super excited because I'm like, oh my gosh, we have a Canadian venture, something new in Canada. It doesn't happen that often. This is really fun and exciting. So the center play box has just opened up in Montreal in Eaton Center, which is a mall in uh, downtown Montreal. It's the city's newest and largest entertainment center spanning 18,000 square feet. So that's pretty big. It's pretty sizable, 18,000 square feet. It features over 80 machines and attractions, which includes VR games, arcade games, skill games, and claw games. And apparently it's suitable for all occasions and can host up to 150 players at the same time, which is great. So lots of good volume people to go through. Now, I was only able to find out this information and I researched it really hard. I found one article online. I found their website, which I'm going to pull up here in one second because <laughs> I wanted to learn more about who in Canada is actually doing this. This sounds really unique and cool. And I haven't really seen a mall installation in Canada like this yet. And I, I just wanted to see it, how, you know, what they got up to. First of all, the thing that was nuts here is that this project is being done by Playmind. And Playmind are the developers of Playbox, which if you guys have seen this product before, it's super cool. You take a it's ball a and throw it. Yeah, you throw it at the screen and you like, you know, hit characters, blow things up and do all that stuff. And they have, they, have different, they have different formats, uh, different size formats, single player, dual, double player and four player. So they have different sizes as well. But it's a it's a fun game or it's fun a, uh, game uh, system. It's a super fun game system. There was no mention of this as a product that was actually going into the site, though, which boggled my mind. Anyway, and now I'm going to share the website. Now, I'm not from Quebec and I don't have any kind of idea of what kind of marketing they do. It's on the other side of the country from me. So maybe they're doing stuff that I just can't see it. But obviously, the first place I'm going to go is to their website. And we talk about this quite often. So let's just let me pull it up here. So Center Playbox by Playmind. And, you know, when you first see it, it's kind of like, oh, well, they've got the colors, right? They've got some exciting things going on, you know. But a new destination in the heart of downtown Montreal is now open. Woohoo! <laughs> I, I, doesn't say much for what's happening here, right? Um, as I scroll oh, and, down. And sorry, let me, can I just say that? Nobody here gives a shit about Playmind. Like nobody right. knows who Playmind is. Like I'm not thinking, oh yeah, Playmind. This is by Playmind. No, I don't know who the who the who Playmind is. So anyway, go ahead. Right, and I'm gonna I'm gonna you know guess that neither do the people in Montreal. <laughs> you know. Right. Okay. Right. So you know, I scroll down a little bit more. Come play, have fun, and exchange. Um, and then it goes into oh, it's this is Playbox Center, a project by Playmind. And again, I'm not. We're not trying to crush Playmind or say anything negative about them. They're an amazing company. They've built some amazing products. Mm -hmm. But this really doesn't speak to your guests. Tell them about what it is, what kind of experience you're trying to create for your guests, and what it is that you actually have to offer. You scroll down a little bit more here. They have 45-plus crane games, arcade games, skill games, VR games. And, uh, and also, nobody knows, nobody outside of the industry really understands what a skill game is. So, again, right. same thing. Speak in the terminology that your guest understands. And nobody cares how many skill games you have. They just want to know, oh, there's a bunch of games. There's 80 plus games to come and have fun. All right, cool. Right, right, right. Exactly. Now, here, they're a must-see destination downtown. Okay, right on. <laughs> it's like, I don't get it. And then there's people on their motorcycles. This would have been a great place to at least put a picture of their play box in there. Uh, then we have the crane here, which, again, you know, the translation is a little bit off here. Moments of pure pleasure experience. Obviously, <laughs> that doesn't translate. But I've translated just so everybody knows. 
this this website is translated from French to English. So there's just that kind of stuff hey, happens. You know what? Way. You know, where I, where I go for pure pleasure is Playbox. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, but this is this is what got me um, even more at the end here is that they're using tokens inside of their center for people to play their attractions. And if you read a little bit further here over on the left, one token is $2.50. Each of their games and attractions requires between one to five tokens to play, which is nuts. Now, obviously, as you go up, the tokens get less expensive if you're buying 32 tokens, but that's still super expensive. I, yeah. I don't know what your yeah. thoughts are around that, but I, I just don't know where I'm going to get my value and, and, and tell me what my experience is going to be like. They offer parties and you, I can click on here and we can go look at their party packages, which they've set up. But again, just not the, the whole experience and, isn't well explained. I'm not really getting a picture of what it's going to be like to go there. Yeah. And around renowned attractions experience, it's not. I mean, it's the first one that they've had. But like anyway, I, I've got a couple of issues. One, like you call it the Playbox Center and then don't show a picture of your freaking Playbox. Like I, I, that, I just don't understand. So that's weird to me. The whole thing, and maybe this is a Montreal, Quebec thing, but like, why do you not? Why do you have to say plus taxes everywhere? So like, I get it. I'm gonna have to pay tax. Like, I'm not gonna get mad at you if you told me the token was 250, but then I had to pay 255 because I had to pay 10, you know, a uh, 20% or a 10% sales tax or something. Like, I'm not. Uh, like, I don't. Um, I don't understand why you do that. And yeah, I don't like the token credit thing. And also maybe they're trying to be transparent around their pricing. And I feel like pricing transparency is important, but like I've never seen actual arcade pricing, like game pricing on a website before. I feel like that's one of the few times I've seen that. It's quite common, actually. Dave and Buster's typically does it unless they pulled it off their site. They used to do it. We did it on our site. It, It is quite common to see the breakdown. On, on people's sites. The plus taxes, that's, I think, more of an issue around a lot of operators. It, it depends on how they collect the tax around their, their gaming, right? Some operators, what they do is they'll collect the money. And if you have to pay tax on it, they'll just put it into a bucket. And once uh, the money on the card or the token gets spent, they actually say that the, the tax on it was collected and then they pay, remit that to the government. So what we used to do, though, is if we were charging a dollar for a token, it was a dollar inclusive of tax so that the customer didn't have that extra tax added on. But, you know, some people, what they'll do is they'll charge for a token. Like, let's say it's a dollar token and they're charging the tax on top of it. They'll remit the tax immediately and not wait till the tokens actually redeemed. So it's it's a little bit of an accounting thing on how you strategize to do it. So and I don't know if you're searching Dave and Buster's or something there just to see if they do put their prices on. Yeah, I, I am. Um, and, and I don't necessarily, maybe this is what they're calling their chips, but there's uh, there's something on here where they're calling like $20 equals a hundred chips, mm-hmm. but, but I don't, but that's weird because they don't talk about chips anywhere else on their arcade site. So, uh, but, but it, uh, arcade games require a different number of chips. So yes, they do have their pricing on their website. I was going to yeah, say it's so, pretty common. And we used to do that as a competitive analysis all the time. We would go look at all the places around locally and what they were charging just to make sure that we were staying competitive and understood what their models look like. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyways, interesting. Missed opportunity though, yeah. And I think this is, this is one of the issues when, when you have a manufacturer and supplier, you know, like a, you know, a manufacturer and, and you know, game developer who's going and building a venue. Like I think those two yeah. things sometimes struggle to uh, struggle to succeed. So, you know, we've had this conversation around Sony and Wonderverse. Like can Sony yeah. who makes movies effectively operate a family entertainment center? Don't know yet. 
And uh, it's one thing if you're going to just license your IP. It's another thing if you're going to try to actually operate it as Sony. And I think those two things are very different. It's one thing if Playbox were like license or Playmind were to license their Playbox IP and then let somebody else go and build it and use their, their stuff versus actually go and be the operator of the location as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's when those things really struggle to succeed. Yeah. And, and I hope they're using this as a space to actually test out some of their new products because that would be a really great use of the space, right? And the other oh. thing that that I don't know if I talked about with this project that, and I'll, then I'll be done, is that it's inside of a mall. And I don't know why, but that scares me. Because if you are deep inside of the mall and people can't access you from the outside, then you're limited to the mall hours. And mm-hmm. who goes to the mall to play an arcade game? Anytime I'm in the mall and I'm walking past arcades, they're never busy. They're always dead. So I don't know if I'm missing some pointer picture here or if it, it just feels like it's a good deal. And I know the malls want to bring entertainment in and have, have these kind of attractions available, but is this the right way to do it? Yeah. And it, I guess it depends if they're really trying to roll out multiple play box centers and this is just the first one and it's a little bit of a pilot, or if this is just like you were saying, a place for them to be able to test out their new games and get gameplay and they don't really care whether they make, whether they make revenue or whether they you know, make a profit from this or not. So it probably depends on what their motivation is, but generally agree with you. I don't think that malls are great places to just rake in the money from an arcade uh, just because your dwell time is so low that your people are in and out in 20 minutes while somebody was changing or trying on clothes at a near, nearby store. And, you know, you just don't get the consistent gameplay. Yeah. Yeah. And we might be missing, maybe this is right beside a movie theater and just can't tell that, you know? And so maybe that yeah. it is a good spot for it. Yep. That's totally fair. Uh, all right. Well, a new place that's opening on January 27th. I'm actually, I, well, I can't go check it out probably without being a total creep, but uh, that's because this is a children's play center. It's called play and stay and it's opening up in Scottsdale, Arizona. So just about 20 miles, 15, 20 miles North of my office and it's a 5,000 square foot space. It's focused and tailored towards younger children and the activities, the entertainment, they're designed, they're really designed to be fun, but they also want to have learning and developmental skills that, that you know happen as well. The activities are going to be, there's actually activities, it's arts and crafts, there's story time, movement activities, sensory activities, music, and then there's some you know like interactive stations as well. Surprisingly, I'm going to show a little walkthrough video of this about a minute that it has capacity for around 200 people, which seemed really like a lot of people for this size space, but it will have areas designed for babies and toddlers. There's a lounge area that it can actually looks over, like looks at the play space. And then there's a uh, you know, pretty cool, like separate area as well, where they're going to do from Monday to Friday from 9am to 1pm. It's where they normally would host birthday parties, but they're going to actually have arts and crafts, music stories in this area your screens, you can actually then see, you know, provide large monitors to where the parents can actually continue to sit in the seating area. They can still see what's happening in uh, in that area also. So uh, I was just going to go and share my screen because um, I think as, as a parent who used to have young kids, it actually is a really well thought out space for these really young, I mean, like six year old and younger kids to come and play, but it's a, you know, maybe seven eight max, but like eight would be pushing it, I think in this space, but they've got a, I'll go ahead and hit play here. They've got a really cool uh, layout. This is obviously digital. Oh, 
I'm going to turn off the music. We don't need to listen to the music while we're playing it. So what did you ask there, Christine? You said 200 people max in this space? Yeah, it seems like a lot for this space, 200, 200 people. But it just doesn't seem like a lot to do. But okay, when you think about that, if that's the max, you're probably going to have like at least 25% of that will be adults. So they're not going to yes. be in there. Oh, I mean, a lot of it will be adults, right? It'll be like a you know mom, a couple of moms, a couple of dads hanging out while like their toddlers are running around and <laughs> in the area. And I think what I like about it is, again, as a parent, I can sit there, have coffee with you know my other moms or dads that I'm hanging out with. And, you know, have snacks, just hang out while the kids are playing in this fenced in area. It's one of the things I really liked about, we, we would take our kids to the, the Chandler mall and we would take our kids to the mall. Um, and, and there was like a little soft play area in the mall and the parents could just hang around on the sides, like look in, like there's like these little bench, you could eat your mall food or whatever, your Wetzel pretzel and watch the kids run around and play in there. And they're totally in this enclosed environment and they can't like get out without somebody take, you know, so like. I think what, what I like about it is it's a place you can still be social, hang out with the other parents while your kids can still have fun where a lot of other play centers are not as like open and visible as I felt like that place was. So anyway, it looked easy to clean. The only, I, I, the bathrooms, I liked that they showed the bathrooms, but when you look at it and they only have two stalls, if that's actually truly what there is, it doesn't feel like there's enough for the volume of people that would coming, be coming through there. Yeah. But. Yeah. And maybe the issue is that like half the, your, your young population are in diapers still. So like, you don't have to worry as much about that, but like you still have to change diapers and still do that kind of stuff. And yeah, it did seem like not enough uh, bathrooms for if you're saying 200 people could come in there, well, but I'd, I'd be surprised that they really ever have 200 people at any given moment. I would agree with you. And and I think the other consideration that they would have to have is that they're say, I have such a young crowd in there that you probably have moms that want to breastfeed and you probably need a space that's quiet for them to be able to do that. Yeah, so that's, that's true. Super critical. It's probably all built into their design that just wasn't showing in that. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that was a rendering, not the actual final production. So I'm, you're, you're probably right. There's probably is at least a, an area for uh, breastfeeding. So our nursing area. Oh. Um, <laughs> on <no>. that note. <laughs> yeah. Well, on that note, um, I'll be actually, this is, this is the end of uh, our first week of the new year. So stay tuned and just keep kicking ass. Cheers guys. <laughs>